Greetings and salutations. Hi. I'm Josh Belcher. Get the super sauce. I'll change into my super suit. <laughs> this is Uncharted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, shapes, sorts, and sizes. This is Josh Belcher, the host of the Uncharted Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's been a really unproductive week here in good old Middle Tennessee as we got a nice little ice slash snowstorm. Now, if you've ever lived in Tennessee or know anybody that does, when we get a little spit of snow here, we board up the houses, we stay in like hermit crabs, we go to the grocery store and get all the eggs, milk, and bread. I wasn't able to do that this time. It kind of iced over so bad that we've been stuck. So luckily we had all those items inside the house. Fun fact about me is that I had my surgery, total shoulder replacement, and uh, actually being stuck in the house, I've missed three physical therapies so far. So I've been ad-libbing at home. Hope I'm doing things right. Doesn't hurt too bad, so I guess I am. And uh, took out my own staples uh, where my arm was stapled shut. Uh, thanks to YouTube. Watch this really patient guy on YouTube uh, pull out staples out of his arm. He was British and he was really patient and he talked like this and I really enjoyed his um, thing so I gave him a thumbs up um, and uh, he apparently uh, had some good reviews. He had like 10,000 people that took a watch and I was one of them. So with that being said, being stir crazy, need to get back out in the physical therapy so I can get back to my two jobs, start generating some income, uh, and not living off the funds that are stashed away in a couple of socks buried in the backyard. With that being said, we have an awesome lineup of guests this week. We have country music roots Americana singing sensation Zachary Scott Klein. In honor of Black History Month, we have my dear friend Raynell Gaines, who went and toured the National Museum of African American Music there in Nashville, Tennessee. It's recently brand new, and he went inside. We're going to discuss everything cool that he saw. And we have a boxer who, when he puts his fist into somebody's body, it sounds like anvils and thunderstorms and sledgehammers raining down abrupt force. His name is Brandon Bad News Lynch. It won't be long before he has several titles around his waist. And that's the lineup this week. I hope you enjoy it. I'll quit running the old jowls and we'll get started with the Uncharted Podcast. In honor and celebration of Black History Month, a dear friend of mine and former Army chaplain, Raynell Gaines, recently took a tour of the National Museum of African American Music, which recently opened here in Nashville, Tennessee. I was scheduled to go with him, but the day before our visit, I had my total shoulder replacement surgery and was not able to attend. So Raynell and his lovely wife took the tour. We're gonna to talk about that and everything he saw inside coming up right now. This is a thrill for me for the podcast. My dear friend, someone I really admire, uh, Raynell Gaines, uh, the reason I got you on the podcast and thank you for the time, it's uh, Black History Month and uh, you got to go to the National Museum of African American Music. Uh, uh, how was it? How'd they treat you? Oh man, it was it was excellent, man. Um, my wife and I had the whole museum to ourselves. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a real experience. Yeah. Yeah, it, it looks like a fun time and some of the pictures you sent me, it was awesome, like there was like a Wu Tang Clan memorabilia and Tupac and all that. Oh yeah, yeah they had they had everybody's memorabilia, man. Um, uh, let's see, from uh, Herbie Hancock. I, I forgot about Herbie Hancock. Wow, no kidding. And, yeah, yeah, they had you know every every genre from the beginning of music to now. That's awesome. They got it all covered. Like, did they go far back? Like in in Memphis. When you go to Memphis, like if you go to Stax, Stax Records or something like that, they show how like like the African Americans back all the way to the you know slave times, how gospel music was so important to them. Did they cover like areas of that, like from that far back? Mm-hmm. That was actually the first part of the uh, of the the mu- the museum was set up chronologically. So okay. it started off it started off um, with uh, with gospel music, well from the roots of Africa and um, you know with gospel music, basically. 
So yeah. and it just went on from there, from gospel to R and B to to hip hop to to rock and roll, you know. Yeah, one thing that always amazed me, and, and I always get credit where credit's due, not just because we're celebrating the month and everything, but everything in music that's tied to what I love. And I'm just talking about not from the 50s to now, points back to, like, James Brown and Chuck Berry. Mm-hmm. And, that's um, true. And, and just to think about, like, you know, and I'm talking about everything that's, you know, deeply ingrained in it, you know, guys like that who set the tone. And then mm-hmm. when you do a little studying – and you go back to what they, you know, were exposed to and what they listened to. You know, even like Tina Turner, who's up for a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year, which I'm surprised uh, it took them so long to get her in there. But it's all ingrained in gospel. And they got that from, uh, you know, their their uh, heritage where, you know, even when these people were enslaved, and it's always amazed me, you know, those conditions I definitely couldn't imagine. Uh, but, you know, through all that hard time and all that crap they were still singing and singing upbeat like could you imagine like you know having that much perseverance even in hell and unknown if you're ever going to get out of it yeah yeah i i couldn't imagine it either something that i found that was um interesting there was a portion in in the museum where it said something like uh a master didn't like a quiet slave so they were more or less they were more or less, I mean, we had the talent, but they were more or less forced to sing in the, in the, you know, when they were, when they were enslaved, they were more or less forced to sing, to sing, but, but they turned it into, they turned it into to speaking to one another, where they would speak over the master's head, they wouldn't even know, the master wouldn't even know what they were talking about, like wade in the water. Yeah. Basically, when they were saying wade in the water, you know, they're they're telling them go through the waters. The dogs can't pick you up if you're going through the water. So I mean, just like that, I, I found that like man, amazing. Like, God. And, you know? and I love stories like that. And 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 that is that is awesome. But it, it's one thing, you know, studying music the way I do. You know, just the roots of it and how we all got it here. And like learning something like that, like I wouldn't have known that if you hadn't shared it with me. And that's, that's awesome. They put that in there. You know, you'd never mm-hmm. be aware that somebody had, you know, wrote it down or did they, did they mention WC Handy at all? I got to go see his house. He was kind of like the father of blues. Is he represented at all? I believe so. I I don't remember, but I, I believe he was. Okay. What, uh, personally for you and your wife, what was your favorite parts? What, what did you enjoy the most while you're in there? Oh man, um, I enjoyed the most. I enjoyed the uh, the the studio, the little studio setups that they had, to uh-huh. where you can make your own beats, and um, they had a place where you can make your own beats. So we really enjoyed that. We made we made a beat together, and uh, she caught me caught me trying to rap and told me I need to go back to singing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I saw that part, and I was like, man, that does look fun. They probably have anybody thinking they could be a star for a little bit if you got a beat going just right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was talking, nice, man. talking about singing, and you do have an amazing voice. Uh, and I know you're you know, a transplant here by way of Michigan, you know, the Motown and all that. Where did uh, where did you grow to love singing? Where, where are the origins of that for you? Like, uh, where did you hone your skills as a vocalist? Um, actually, back home, in, in church. It started in church. Yeah. Um, but it started when I was about 17, 18 years old. I had a group, um, me and a few of, my, few of my buddies, called For Your Pleasure. We had a singing group. It was nice. four of us. Cool. FYP. Yeah. So, I mean, from there, I just, you know, we would sing. We would, uh, we would sing on the steps at the community college I was going to. That's cool. Um, just like just like the temps and the miracles and all them back in the day. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Now, now living you know close to uh, you know Nashville, uh, are you? Do you want to uh, do music here? Like as far as like join a group again or, or sing backup or anything or sing in church? Like, do you have any goals like that while while you're living here? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Matter of fact, um, I'll be singing this Sunday at our church. Nice. Um, so you, I was supposed to sing. On Valentine's Sunday, but they they shut church down due to the weather. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I'm, you know, I definitely want to use my use my God given talent, man. Um, singing back up, that'd be something that I'd be interested in. Singing back up and um, doing gospel music, man. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. I uh, I uh, met a guy at the gym um, that he uh, produces the uh, Sirius XM show for BB Winans or CP okay. Winans. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, both of them are a powerful presence here in Nashville. If you're ever in there and he's in there, maybe I can link you guys up together and he can see what he can get you into. <laughs> oh, that'll work, man. That that's that is awesome. That's the beauty of living here. No matter where you're at, if you do enough research, you'll find somebody that knows somebody else. You know. Mhm. That's true. Uh, yeah. Uh, so all in all, uh, viewing this uh, place like from a media perspective, and you know, empty, kind of like a private showing. Uh, do you think it's worth it for for people uh, to go visit it? Like, is it well worth the trip to like go downtown and, and park and go see the the museum? Oh yes, yes. We 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 definitely plan on going back. Um, you know, our kids. We we want to take our kids now, man, and show our kids. And you know, when my mother comes, take yeah, man. It's definitely definitely worth it. Well oh, worth that's, it, man. That's awesome. I'm so glad you got to go. Like I said, they gave me. Uh, I'm glad it all panned out. You know, I saw some of the cool pictures you had, and, and it looks awesome. I can't wait to see it once, you know, I'm able to, you know, function again. But um, one thing I wanted to say, and I always tell you, you know, kind of in private, but I want everybody, my listeners, to know, you know, I've always – thank you for your service. I always honor the uh, people thank that you. serve our country, men and women. And it's one thing I'm very uh, proud that you've done. And if you would just kind of explain a little bit what you did for our country, you know, not only, you know, with Black History Month, but I want to honor you as well, a African-American man who – has made a difference in the, uh, you know, for our, uh, you know, United States. If you kind of like share that story a little bit. Well, um, when I was in the army, I served as a, as a chaplain's assistant. I was in for seven years and basically as a chaplain's assistant, um, I would, um, basically I, I worked, you know, hand in hand with the chaplains, go mm-hmm. out to the field and, uh, pray for the soldiers, um, I would uh, teach religious tolerance briefings to, you know, all of the major brass during, uh, during the nine, matter of fact, during nine one one, I was teaching a religious tolerance briefing. Um, when, when it, when nine one one happened. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and it was, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of, kind of ironic that, you know, while I was teaching that, you know, we were getting bombed, you know, and it was, it was, it was, Huh. Yeah. It was tragic, man. It was tragic. Well, it takes a strong person to be able to do that. So that's good for you. I, I I couldn't imagine being in your shoes. That was that was a crazy rough rough time. And I remember like that's one of the things in life you'll never forget where you were at or right. what you were doing when all that was going on. Right. That's true. Country Americana Roots singer songwriter extraordinaire Zachary Scott Klein graced us with his presence on this week's Uncharted podcast. Really fun interview talking about all things music. We learned a little bit about poutine from our brothers and sisters up north there in Canada. That's all next on the Uncharted podcast. Enjoy. So ladies and gentlemen, I got Zachary Scott Klein on the line with me for the podcast. A phenomenal singer, songwriter who resides here in Nashville. How you doing? Doing good, man. I'm I'm super excited about this and uh, definitely uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, I uh, I dig your style. I like to I like to hear you sing. Uh, you know, I haven't got to see you live. I've seen the uh, you know some Instagram posts and stuff, and saw where you posted some pictures. It seems like for Valentine's Day you went to some amazing spot that's not covered <laughs> in ice and snow. Where did you say you're at? I'm in the I'm in the heart of like the Nantahala Forest right now. Uh, we're out in uh, Robbinsville, North Carolina. Just completely off the grid bear grill style so hopefully i'll make it back alive but (laughs) (laughs) yeah it shouldn't be a problem as long as you got a heavy coat which is i mean we get a little spit of snow here in tennessee but this right here has the whole state on lockdown (laughs) yeah everything's closed down yeah Yeah, my 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 wife uh, i was telling you is canadian she's like oh this is nothing this is typical tuesday back home i was like well yeah. yeah You know, it's like it's like raining in L.A., you know what I mean? Like, everybody closes down at that point. <laughs> yeah, here here when you get a spit, they close schools, and then all the stores get wiped out of uh, eggs, milk, and bread. So I don't yeah. know uh, farther than my street what's going on. So for all I know, it's like a war zone like a mile down the road. Oh, well, I tell you, man, the weather is, over the past couple months has been kind of crazy, and, like, all these kids are getting held out of school. We're going to have some kids that are held back reading-wise that aren't really going <laughs> to. We'll be yeah. skipping a few letters by the time they're, you know, a little older. They'll be like, oh, what's wrong with that kid? What's wrong with Johnny? Oh, he's a 2020 boy, you know. 
You go to school for a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're all going to be sounding like Boomhauer. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, the assistant coach in uh, Waterboy. Oh, <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. Dang, boy, you hot. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's one 2020 thing, like, education. It's it's so rough on the kids. I know, it. you know, being out for school has got its perks there every once in a while. But, yeah, they've missed a long time now that I think about it. And oh, yeah. There's so much you can do virtually, so more power to Oh, them. yeah, yeah. Every parent is now an English teacher now or a yeah. math teacher. It's like, good Lord. Every parent is like losing their mind slowly but surely, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly, man. What uh, uh speaking of Nashville, are you are you from Tennessee originally or, or how did No, you like no. No, I am uh, I am from San Francisco um originally. Uh just outside a little town called Danville, California. Um moved out to Nashville about two and a half, uh, about two years ago, actually, um, by way of Edmonton, Alberta. I was living up north there. I played in the CFL for a couple years and met my wife up there. So That's cool. we were like, hey, this is the, we're going to move to Nashville and try and make this music thing happen. That's awesome. That's one thing, like, when I, I, I dove a little deep and uh, did a little creeping on your Instagram, I saw <laughs> you were an athlete uh, now where you played for Cal, is that correct? Before that? Yeah, yeah. Played for UC Berkeley. Well, you know, play is definitely in quotations because uh, did more of holding the clipboard than playing, yeah, which yeah. was you know, finally my knees. My, my knees work great, so you know, <laughs> I'm a, it is a blessing in disguise, right? But yeah, I went to UC Berkeley and uh, played there. That's still pretty cool. So you must be a pretty big man. What what size are you? Um, well, you know, I've definitely packed on the beer gut and beer weight, so I'm now lining up more as a fullback, maybe a <laughs> unathletic tight end at a D three school possibly. <laughs> but yeah, no, I uh I'm not I'm not slight. I'm definitely um filling out the denims now. So uh <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess the same problem. I just had a it's weird, like I just had a total shoulder replacement, which I do not recommend to anybody. Yeah, but, not planning um, on it. Um I've lost weight, and I thought I'd be packing it on like crazy, but just the pain and just, you know, the unknown of it. I've been eating less, which I thought was weird, but I, I feel you as far as, like, I've got that nice Winnie the Pooh shape myself. So. Oh, man, I tell you this. As soon as we went on lockdown, you know, I for some reason my brain just thought, great, you can drink at home all the time. It's 5 o'clock <laughs> somewhere. I took that. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. And that was a horrible idea. I went up to about two fifty real quick, and that yeah. and that was. Uh, I was like, okay, you gotta you gotta reel yeah. back in here, Zach. We so. have a uh, we have. I live in Columbia, Tennessee, and we have this Asgard Brewery, and it's really I really like it. I'm not just biased because it's here locally. Yeah. But they make like beer from Viking recipes. If that's not oh. cool. Enough. But, like, yeah, you go Sold. in there, and, like, it's like, here, take home a growler. And I didn't know what a growler was, but I know now after I drink one, my stomach does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take home this jug of, of, of beer. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'll finish this all. It's one cup. It's just one bottle. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I don't Mine. want it to yeah, lose its flavor there towards the middle. I might as well just suck it all down. But um. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, I think that was the first time where I've ever looked at a six-pack and been like, I'm probably going to drink less of this than a growler. You know what I mean? Yeah. Growler, I'm taking that bad boy down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to uncork it and go to town on it. Um, <laughs> well, let's get to the meat and potatoes, no pun intended. But um, so you moved to Nashville to be a singer-songwriter. I, I dig your styling. Uh, when did you know that's what you wanted to do? Have you always had, like, the, the performing bug and all that? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I've always – I started playing guitar when I was young, like seven or so, and I stole it from my sister, actually. Um, she had, like, this sparkly squire my dad bought her. Nice. And, uh, yeah, no, I just – I fell in love with it. My dad was a big bluser. Like, he – he his, my first records I got was a uh, Steve Ray Vaughan, Double Trouble, uh, Greatest Hits. I got a uh, – Cook County Jail Live record of BB uh, King, which was nice. one of the one of the best live recordings of all time. Yeah. And then uh, my dad was a huge Robert Cray fan, humongous Robert Cray. Um, I you know Robert Cray's guitar tone isn't my favorite, but you know it, like those '80s blues guys and are, are awesome, right? I think they shaped so many like um, you know just guitar players now, right? Because it's it was their dad's music and. Uh, but I played in, man, I played in, like, doing football was something was, you know, I, I worked very hard at. And it was, like, something that my, I'm not going to say my parents wanted me to do, but, like, shit, like, when you when you do 
sports in high school, and if you're semi-good at it, you're going to keep doing them, right? But I've always yeah. wanted to do music. Like, I, if someone's like, hey, Zach, could, can you go play? Would you rather play side stage as stagecoach or, you know, play in the Super Bowl? I would hands down say a side stage at stagecoach, getting, you know, uh, playing it for free other than the Super Bowl. Like, I felt like that was way – just I, I don't know. I felt like that was way more fun. Could be something a lot cooler. Like the passion for playing music and live music, and what it meant to me, was always big. Partly because like I grew up playing punk, like straight up like hardcore punk music, two minute songs um, yeah. throughout high school and college, and like sharing what you truly felt in a song. And so I, you know, we play that at frat parties and paid in whiskey, and we never get actually paid by anything, but like. It, that that to me was like man like you can really change a, a crowd change an energy in a room by what you have to say and like that to me was changed my life when I like was able to do that it was so much fun yeah and uh, it, it is and when you get a group of uh, ladies and gentlemen or whoever's in your band together and you're all clicking on all cylinders oh, and you God. got the you got the audience there with you man there's no bigger high none there isn't like and that's the thing now too that I feel is like the songs that I write and like, you know, I'm a, I'm an okay co-writer. Like I, I, I love, it. it's so much fun when you get someone that you can co-write with and it's like, it meshes really well. Like me and Henry Conlon, I know he was on this and, and, and he sings your praises and like, but he, you know, like me and him co-write and it's, it's so much fun because we're very similar in a lot of ways to how we try and write. But like majority of the time, if I write a song, it doesn't become what needs to become until you pitch it and bring it to the band and those guys can put their own spin and change, you know, certain things. And like, I'm never married to how I, you know, structurally write something. If someone goes, Hey, we should do this. I'm like, Hell yeah, let's do it. Like, let's, let's try it out. What do I know? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the best way to be. And, and you know, like you know, here, I'm going to go make another pun, but a quarterback's only as good as his lineman. If you, mm-hmm. if you yeah. And you mentioned Henry, and I don't know if you get this feel from him, and, and I do really like him as well, but he, he he's so uh, intelligent and so intellectual that I always feel a little smarter when he starts talking to me. Like, <laughs> yeah. The guy, yeah. just he, he's got something in his brain. I'm like, man, I wish my uh, little uh, medulla oblongata side or whatever would fire <laughs> off. <one here." laughs> but, yeah, what, what a talent. He's got a new song coming out here pretty soon, uh, looking forward to. Uh, yeah, me too. It's named after a woman, I think. Lucy. Lucy. Right? Yeah, Lucy. That's uh, We've all had a couple of those. Um, oh, we sure have. Speaking of that, the music and everything meshing, the uh, the Instagram post you did, I believe it was at the Bold Patriot Brewing Company. Yeah. Man, that song, and I want to hear the rest of it. I didn't um, I didn't know the name of it, but when you guys kind of hit acapella before you start jamming, that yeah. is a fantastic, whatever that is, I like that. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, man, of course. Yeah, that song's called Old Wedding Ring. That will be on, uh, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about putting that out as a single, um, but it's I'm, I have a 14-song album coming out um, sometime this year. We're in the heat of recording it right now. Um, we did about four songs at Blackbird Studio A. Yep. Um, couple, couple, oh, it, yeah. Hey, <laughs> nothing that I freaking did. It was all a buddy of mine was like, hey, uh, do you want to come down and do some recording? I was like, uh, does Dolly Parton sleep on her back? Hell yeah, I'd love to. That'd be sweet. Like, come on now. Um, so I was like, yeah, let's do it, man. And so just – to be honest, like, I've just been extremely, you know, thankful and lucky because, like, man, it's just a lot of buddies just kind of, like, having my back on stuff. And it's been like, hey, I'll sing about you. Would you want to do this? Oh, yeah, man. And, like, any way I can repay the favor to to them, I, you know, I, I'd do that because, like, you're only as good as the people that you work with. Like, no one, no one is self-made. Like, self-made is not a thing. So... Yeah, that song's called Old Wedding Ring. Um, wrote it from the standpoint of just like pouring your heart and soul into someone, into a woman, into a relationship, and just it's like sometimes it's like it doesn't work out. It just doesn't, you know, for X amount of reasons. Um, and it's just kind of one of those where like love, in a sense, can be like this like fragile flower. That's part of the chorus, um, and. But when you think of, like, how delicate it can be, how fast a flower can die and wilt, like, that's, that's kind of where I was bringing about it. And, like, just the whole idea, too, of, like, an old wedding ring. Like, 
something that's supposed to be tangible and forever and physical and something that doesn't break very well can. You have to water that seed just like, you know, flowers and things like that. You have to care for it because if you don't, it will, it will die and it will, and it will cease to exist. And in a very life changing moment when that can happen. So, uh, wrote it about, you know, a little bit about my own, uh, family, wrote it about a friend, wrote it, you know, I, I'm a very perspective writer. Um, I think all writers do write from their own experience to, to an extent. Um, but I write from things that I hear stories that I hear friends that their stories, I want to represent my experience and my life through those songs. Um, you know, I want to write about the human experience, the life, the love, the loss, the value, the things that, you know, we all experience. It doesn't matter where you're from, uh, things that, you know, we'll all go through. Life and death, right? <laughs> yeah, it, uh, yeah, it, that was very prolific. Uh, I, there for a minute, I was like, man, uh, this, is, this song was deep, and I like that. You, you know, it's already got me in. Uh, from my perspective as a, as a man with adult ADHD, uh, which is, I, you know, I'm not really excited that I have. But to get my attention, you have to have something like that that's punchy that grabs you. Yeah. And like the little clip that I heard, you know, I was like, okay, this has got a Seven Bridges Road feel, and then you put that pop into it, and I'm like, I want to hear the rest of it, and then it fell off, which is cool because it yeah. it's, it's making me looking forward to hearing it, uh, you know, completely done. Um, yeah. When when your when your album comes out, which is what I was going to ask you. Yeah, I knew you were in the process and uh, everything, and I know it takes time, but. Um, you seem to have, like, do you have a stable set of players, like, which is really rare in Nashville? Do you have the same collective of guys that just play in a band with you, or are you guys all established as a group already? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So the guys that I'm playing with, um, you know, my biggest thing coming to Nashville, like, I think it's, um, I guess maybe this is where the football side of it is, is, like, I, I couldn't care less if I, if I make it, right? Um, I think making it is how many different versions of that can you get from different people, right? I think the biggest thing that I wanted to achieve was create or help create and help be a part of a community of, of, of musicians that create music that is fully theirs, right? And, and to help on that. So the band that I'm, you know, in, in a part of, um, even though it shares my namesake, but like it's, it's friends, it's, it's relationships, that I've made, um, you know, Lucas Aldridge, drummer. I met him like my first couple months in town and we stayed close. We've, we've jammed and stuff, but nothing, you know, and I wanted these things to be, have a solid roadmap before I invited a lot of uh, these members, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Hayden Helms and, and Ty Follow, these guys just got to town and we hit it off. It's like we've been friends for, for years. And, and Hayden has his own project as well. And he's one of the most gifted vocalists I've ever heard and Ty is in there with him, and they've been playing together for damn near a decade. And then Ash Shurnett, one of the most beautiful guitar players in, in town, is playing. Um, yeah, he's a good-looking boy, too. But, you know, he uh, – <laughs> but his playing, you know, for me, I've always been um, really a, a, a huge fan, something maybe my soul kind of captures onto is, like, slide guitar playing, that vocal style of guitar playing. So when it came to like just like kind of the normal guitar players, I, yeah, there's a ton of great ones, but none of them really spoke to me until I heard Alex play, and I was like, man, that's the type of player that I want, that I think can really do um, these songs justice. And uh, and so yeah, like like I was saying before, like these songs are, are they're they're even if it's fully written and fully done, this is what I want to do. It's only half done until you bring it to these guys to put their mark into it. And I've always told them. Hey, like I might have written these songs, but these songs are just as much yours than it, than they are mine. Like, I want you to be as creative as possible, and let's see where this goes, and and we'll all make it work because th these are our songs. Like, I might have wrote it, but they're ours. And that's awesome. I, I like the way you say that because that you can see how tight knit you guys are in playing, and that's why I asked if you were an established group. But with an attitude like that and being the front man and the leader and everything. Uh, it wouldn't be hard to follow you. And I'm speaking from a musician standpoint as myself because that's the way you really have to be. I mean, you acknowledge where you stand on the business aspect, but like you said, you're a team and you and you have to acknowledge, you know, you're only as good as your weakest link. Not that you have yeah. one, but the yeah. way that you're talking, I, I can understand why you'd be easy to play <laughs> along with. So that's good to you. Well, hell, man, I'm the, I'm the weakest link, and that's what I think 
you know, that's what every, that's what I think. Well, but really though, I think that's what everyone should be. Um, you should surround yourself with people where you view yourself as the least talented, where everyone that you're in that room is there better than you at, at something. And, and that's where you truly get better, right? Like I am nowhere near the type of guitar player that Hayden or Alex is or the type of singer that Hayden is or, you know, the type of like musically understanding um, that Lucas is in terms of, you know, just meter and, and understanding where things should go in terms of beat and, and dynamics. Um, Lucas is insanely uh, gifted at that. And with Ty, understanding the low end and the rhythm and how important bass is in a song, I couldn't, I have no idea. Where I hang my hat is lyrically, like words. Like, I know what I want to say and how to say them in a way that makes the listener think. But anything outside of that, I, I'm a fart in the wind, man, and I'm just trying to learn as much as I can. So, like, that's that's kind of my outlook on not just musical life, but kind of really anything, right? Yeah, what a great way to be. And and you also mentioned another thing that, that I really, uh, you know, admired that you said. Um, doing this podcast, and I'm almost 100 episodes in, is I've learned from different genres of music. Uh, everybody has got their hands dipped in more than one project and doing something else you're never aware of. It's never as it seems. But the fact yeah. that you said, you know, you're supportive and you realize there's a whole atmosphere of more than just one project, that's how that's what's going to keep you relevant and alive in any manner. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Um, what um, I saw, did you perform on WSNAM? I saw you next to the 650 placard. Sorry, come again? I didn't quite hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I said, did you perform on WSM? I saw you playing guitar next to a, a 650 AM placard, like on one of your on one of your so, photos. Yeah, no. So that is from uh, the American Legion, post '82. One of the man, that's one of the best venues in town. But it's so hidden. It's such a it's a hidden gem. Like you'll get randomly like Vic Gill and 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 and, and company will just show up there or, or you'll have a Margot price show up there or something like that. Um, it, it's, it's an amazing stage. It's, it's something where it's has a lot of character. Um, they do a honky tonk Tuesday there, which is some of the most gifted musicians that it's going to play, you know, country music from the thirties, forties, fifties. And, uh, it's, it's one of those things where like, it's, it's very original, even though they're playing covers, like these guys and, and, and girls that play are, are, truly gifted musicians and you know which is not uncommon in Nashville right but like um yeah so we have a show there um two times a month but we're playing there the 26th of, of this month the 26th and uh full band Hayden's band will be uh opening up and then Hayden will play with me again right right after so it, it's it's a great spot to play um you know just trying to play as much as I can throughout town and in mm -hmm. uh yeah oh, cool that's awesome well uh, i was thinking while you were talking you're talking about these uh, blues guys and, and rhythm and blues with stevie ray and uh and everything um bb uh, king H have you been introduced to or are you familiar with the name scott holt he's here locally in columbia where i live no i'm not I'm, i'd love to love to okay. love to hear him uh, play though yeah um when you get back on social medias and whatever look up scott holt and then um variety records that's his spot here in columbia he's uh -huh. he was buddy guy's guitar player no way yeah. oh my gosh that's and, so cool uh, i'm talking about he can eat a guitar up but he has a venue he lets people perform in his record shop and i'd like to uh maybe if you you know merge with him or whatever come down here and play you know have you kind of play somewhere locally but yeah he was buddy guy's player and i mean like he's and he's like when you go into the store if he's there when he's not on tour with the solo work he's just the nicest guy like he's so easy to get along with but definitely i would love to yeah check out yeah man i would love to that'd be awesome i'd love to meet him and I'd love, that'd be that'd be great I'm, I'm excited to check him out for sure yeah so the, okay uh last question i appreciate your time i know you're, you're doing your thing with your missus oh, no. and, and no, you're cool, good, but, Okay, I know in Canada, like like Tennessee, the people know us for moonshine, but there's a thing, and this is why I'm going to get ignorant on it. It's called poutine. What what is poutine? <laughs> <laughs> poutine. Okay, poutine is the best. I'm telling you right now, Canadian has the best beer food, and it's just their normal, you know, like uh, cuisine. They they do it right up there. So poutine is just fries, uh, brown gravy. They never heard of white gravy before in their life up there. So that's, that was an interesting moment. Um, fries brown gravy and uh, cheese curds 
And uh, if you got the right cheese curds, they'll squeak when you eat them. And wow. so they call them squeakers. Um, so poutine is great. My my wife uh, was feeling a little homesick, so we went to went to KFC when we got some of their brown gravy. We got some uh, cheese curds at Kroger, and uh, you know we hand cut our own like you know fries and from just some russet potatoes, and then we just made that, and it was unreal. Like it's some of the poutine is is a must, man. That's the best drinking food you can you can uh, you can order up. That's awesome. I've always been curious because, and, and when you mentioned she was from Canada and you played ball there, I thought, you know, because the, the, every time I think of Canada, I'm like, I've heard of poutine. People talk about this. The, yeah. the closest I got to Canada in my life is for my birthday this year. I went to Detroit to see Motown. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and I see all the exits to get there, so I get all the way to the border, and they're like, if you come in, you have to stay for 14 days. This was like in October, you know, quarantine. And yeah. I was like, there's no way I could tell my boss that, so I had to skip it. But <laughs> I got to I got to the threshold, and they just wouldn't invite me in. Oh well, yeah, I know they're they're clicky up there. Next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. No, it's uh, I'm really trying to play up there when things open back up. I uh, I used to play up in Edmonton, and it was, you know, when I was living up there, it was great. There's so many awesome bars and great players up there, um, and there's such a wide variety of music. It's not like when you're up there, um, what's expected is either country music or rock and roll or what have you. Um, they're kind of, there's an audience for everything and it's, it's a really, it's a really great spot to, uh, to play. Um, so I, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to get up there and when, the, when I release this album and, and share these songs and it'll be a, it'll be a pretty big variety of kind of, you know where I'm, what I am as a uh, as an artist, as a musician. You're definitely going to get a lot of rock and stuff, but you're going to get a lot more, uh, you know, kind of the folk based, uh, you know, a lot of depth to that writing because I spent a lot of time, you know, just trying to make these words mean something, right? <laughs> It was a true pleasure this week on the Uncharted Podcast, interviewing boxer Brandon Bad News Lynch, a very intelligent, intellectual, upbeat human being. I really enjoyed this interview. Hope you do too. It's coming up right now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, special treat. First time here on the Uncharted Podcast, Brandon Bad News Lynch. Uh, I know I don't do it like the boxing uh aficionados, but man, you really impressed me uh, a week or so ago. Thank you for taking the time. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, and um, like I said, we'll get started with this. Um, I, I remember the gentleman, I believe his name was Hernanda, Hernandez, and what really impressed me, you know, being, being from Nashville, um, I followed Caleb Sweethand's plant, very proud of what he's doing, and I, I know uh, you're in the middleweight division, but you literally stove that dude's face in on Fox, on PBC, and, like, I thought you were going to send him to another dimension. What I didn't understand, like I said, and I'm I'm new to boxing. I'm about five or six fights deep, so I'll admit I'm kind of green and a rookie, but I like to learn. Uh, after, you know, popping that man like that and making his face look like a, you know, a can of cherry tomatoes, why why would you get a draw? What, 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 what happened? I just I don't understand. Well... So check it out. First of all, also I think it's important for people to know we uh, that fight was taken in in the middleweight division. But I'm actually a um, a super welterweight. I fight at 154, so I went up a, a class to go fight him um, just because it was an opportunity, man. We, we weren't going to pass that up, and I'm confident in my abilities, so we went up a, a weight class. Um, and second of all, there's every anybody in the sport of boxing will tell you, man, there's politics. That's just that's just what it is. There's politics in the sport of boxing. Um, I can't get too deep into it, but let's put it like this: like everybody, nobody really thinks that I'm capable of what I'm what I know I'm capable of doing, and it has something to do with people thinking that I'm just a little bit softer than I really am. It's just you know people know who you know my background and this that and the third, and they don't think that it's really what I do when it is. This is my full time job what I do and I take it very seriously man yeah and um you know I wanted to bring that up because like I said just as a perspective and I'm a fan of yours now but from watching you for the first time what drew me into your particular match and I believe it's what they call an undercard like I said I'm learning uh, and which I, yeah, watch yeah. All the, I watch all the fights but when you were hitting the guy 
it sounded the only way I could describe it was like a, a pitcher pitching into a glove, just a solid force, just slamming into some meat, and you know you like literally just bruising him. I mean, if that is just your hobby, then uh, I'd hate to see what you do, you know, really professional because I mean you tore that guy up. Oh, yeah, man. Where does that power come from? Because like I, I've seen people hit and stuff, and I've heard the pops. But when you were hitting him, I mean, you could hear it. It just sounded like you were literally rearranging, like, bone structure in the man. Well, you know what? It's, um, it, it, punching power is it, it's kind of interesting. Because they, they're guys in boxing that have what we call studding punching power. And these guys hit stuff, and it's just, like, it's more of a deep studding sound. And it, so it travels through your entire body. And then you got guys that, like, I like to think that I have good pop and good crack. Like, I, I punch and have snap behind my punches, so they make a different sound. Even when I'm in the gym, when I'm hitting the heavy bag, it sounds a little bit different than uh, everybody else that's in the room. I work on tight shots, sharp shots, and fast. Speed is power to me. And um, so we're working on getting getting the hand to the target as quickly as possible and back as quickly as possible, and that's what creates that, that snapping sound that you hear on top of the fact that, um, you know, there's no crowd, there's no audience, so you're hearing every little pop that happens, every jab, every right hand, everything sounds, like, amplified because there's not a lot of people in the room, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and even with that said, even with not a lot of people in the room uh, and just uh, kind of, you know, singing your praises is that I watched every fight and I've heard the pops and, 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 the, and everything, but... Uh, you know, to your credit, and I know from watching on Instagram, you're so humble, but uh, that's a force behind yours. Yours are like those anvils like Thor swings around in uh, Avengers. <laughs> just, I, I mean, and first of all, kudos to you stepping up a, uh, a weight grade because I understand in professional fighting, I mean, it takes a lot to do because, you know, you're training and, and being one certain way and then to jump up uh, was just incredible. But I really think you can run for your money. I, I don't mess into any kind of politics, really. I uh, don't. I'm not a big fan, but I, I think you really got robbed. It just that was just uh, because, like, if you're if you're whooping the guy, because like even I know I'm talking like ADD. <laughs> no, you're good. Go. Do you think when uh, when uh, when you posted that picture on uh, Instagram of them raising your hands and you know you're all smiling and looking positive, the guy's got his face nailed over it. I mean, it's just like you know, they're, they're, you know, the, one thing's not like the other. Do you not see the differences here? But. Uh, as far as mentality and positivity and upbeatness, how, how do you recover after a fight like that? Like, what keeps you motivated? Because uh, most people, and myself included, who gets flustered real easily would just be like, oh, screw it, and, and we'll get pretty depressed and want to just kind of, you know, shovel it off. But, but what keeps you going? Because you said you're headed to the gym right now anyway. Yeah, um, I'm actually headed this second workout of three for the day. <laughs> but um, it's, you know what, man? I know. I I I've met and been around in in same spaces Marco uh, Marco's before so uh, cool dude he's a great fighter I've seen him fight on TV he actually we fought on the same card at one time years ago um, it, it's a business man it is what it is and I posted that picture not to, not for any disrespect for my opponent but just to show that you know like you said one thing is not like the other and I get my um, not confidence but I push in situations like that. I'm me, and my my uh, my father, which is my coach. We're both firm believers and uh, and followers of Jesus Christ. We stay in that body, and our minds are not. We're not so much thinking too much about what it looks like to everybody else, or or or, or, or how I got robbed, or why I got robbed. It's more of, hey, look, we got an opportunity. And we did well in the opportunity. The world was able to see us, and I was able to build my platform. And my platform is just um, being able to speak about what I know and what I love and, and what I do to people around the world. I, I've come a long way from just a couple of years ago, so I have people that want to tune in and watch me and listen to me. And now it's going to be even more than that because they saw me fight and I'm, just, I'm not just a personality now. People really understand that I can fight. Um, so, again, going back to how I'm able to deal with, uh, you know, the disappointment of things, it's not a disappointment to me, man. Uh, I have nothing to, you know, everybody might think I have something to prove to them, 
but the only person that I, I'm doing this for is me. And, um, and you know, the Lord is, he's, he's given me opportunities that most people in the boxing industry would, would die for. And the way that things have been working out and the way that um, I've ended up in these spots and in these training camps with world champions and around world champions, like the way that this stuff has, has turned out, it, it, it can't be anything but a God thing. So when I, when I talk, and you'll see when I do more interviews and things like that, I'm going to be talking a lot about my faith uh, because there's no way that any of this could happen on my own accord. I'm just a small man, you know, like I just, just doing what I love. It yeah. just so happens that things line up the way that they do because I do. My father and I are deep in prayer. We spend plenty of time in our work, reading, journaling, talking to each other. There's a whole other aspect behind what you see on TV. And um, that's why I believe that things happen the way that they do. And despite, like I said, it's not a disappointment for me. This is amazing. I wouldn't change it for the world. I learned a lot about myself. I fought a guy that was a a full uh, weight class higher than me. I did yeah. well. The guy had way more experience than me. So, you know what? Learning experience, people got to see me. I got to expand my platform, and it's just not a disappointment at all for me. So I'm happy. That's awesome, man. You know, you, you're talking to a Southern Baptist here, so preach when you want to preach. You'll get me going here. Um, there you go. <laughs> uh, but what you just said is, is what makes people out of winners, and it inspired me because uh, – me, I'd have been more negative about it, and the way you just turned it was was awesome, and that's why you're going to have a long-lasting career because that's what champions do. You know, if you get if you get uh, you know knocked down, no pun intended, you just get right back up and get after it. But uh, absolutely, absolutely, that's uh, that's an awesome way to say that, man. I, I'm really I'm really glad you uh, alliterated like that. Um, with that being said, um, uh, do you think? And I'm not speaking on your behalf. But, uh, you know, after Caleb boxed, and I know I brought him back up, he, he mentioned that, uh, you know, with COVID and the longevity of boxing, when you were in that match and it didn't show it on your part, did you feel like you had been out of the ring for a while or any – did it feel any different with a hiatus or did you have to go through a hiatus or anything due to, due the, due to uh, the, the pandemic? Look, man, um, I, I, like I said before, this was an opportunity that was too, it was too good to pass up for me. And uh, the reason I say that is because during this whole COVID pandemic thing, I never stopped once. I have been pedaled to the through the floor since all this began. We, the gyms were closed, bro. I was working out in the backyard of my parents' place. When I wasn't at my, <laughs> in the backyard of my parents' place, I do full-on gym workouts in the underground parking lot of my apartment complex. When I'm not in the apartment complex doing a workout, I'm running somewhere on the street. It, it look. Never. I do not stop grinding no matter what. I don't care. I work, I work, I work, I work. So when it comes to, you know, people were always they were talking about ring rust and this and that and the third. They're, I mean, look, man, I work year-round. I make my my diet is right year-round. So it, it doesn't really, yes, it's very different from sparring. It's very different from just being in the gym and being in the ring with the guys you see every day. But there was no stone left unturned on, on my part. And there, there never will be. That's yeah. always how trained. That's the way to be trained. We train like champions because we aim to be champions. So, and when I say we, I'm talking about my, my team. It's me and my father. Yeah. It's a tight circle, but that's 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 my team, and that's why I like it. But yeah, man, the ring rust thing. I wasn't really worried about it. When you work and you have confidence in in, in your ability, and you're not slacking and you're not cutting corners. Things that things work out the way that they're supposed to, and you're able to perform the way that you're supposed to. Awesome, man. Well said. I like it. I, I was just curious because I'd, I'd heard a couple of others mention, you know, well, we've been out for a while due to COVID, this, that, and other, and I just was curious if it had an effect on you. But yeah, it sounds like you're grinding like a cyborg or something. So, bro, <laughs> uh, bro, pedal to the metal. <laughs> and um, I saw another thing that really interests me is you had on that cool kind of like retro um, boxing robe. I believe they're called robes. Now, it belonged to your grandfather, if I'm not mistaken. Now, now you have a boxing legacy. Your granddad was a boxer? Yeah, man. Um, so my grandfather fought. He was the first generation of fighters in my family. Um, it's an interesting story, man. I grew up as a young kid around 
it was always a fight going on, like a, a somebody somebody's fighting on TV. It was like we were at somebody's house watching a fight all the time. I always remember that. But I was never really interested as a young kid in trying boxing or doing martial arts. Um, my grandfather always wanted me to box, bro. I'm telling you, he wanted me to box from day one. But like I said, I was doing martial arts. Fast forward a couple, I mean, many years. Um, I ended up going to college. I graduated, and uh, my grandfather actually passed away. And just something, I don't know. One day, something just kind of urged me to go to the gym to see what he was, you know, what he was on his mind about me being in the gym. What was it all about? And I went to the gym, bro, and I never left. That was it for me. I, I knew that's what I wanted to do with my life. I loved it. I I couldn't even spell the word fight. Them. I mean, like seriously. I, w- I was not very good, but I took time and I wanted to perfect what I was doing. And when I get my mind set on something, I go after it. I go after it hard, and that's what that's you know where I'm at now. So yeah, that robe is something special to me, man. That was my grandfather's robe from when he was a professional. Um, still have blood on it. I, I refused to get the the robe dry cleaned because I thought it was so authentic that like my grandfather's blood was still on this robe. I thought that wow. was so cool. And, yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's in the family, man. My grandfather, my, my dad was uh, an amateur boxer, so I'm just I'm, I'm keeping it rolling, you know what I mean? I hear Yeah, and that was one thing I really liked about it. They, they were talking about the commentators. was like, yeah, it's still got bloodstains on it. I was like, wow, what an heirloom. Yeah, man. <laughs> and, you know, I had I actually had that robe. I took a picture for a photo shoot in that robe when I was an amateur years ago, and because I found the robe in, in a in an old storage unit of my grandmother's, I believe, and um, I took the robe and took it out for the pictures. It was cool, and then I put it in my closet, and for um, almost five years like that, the robe never moved. I refused to wear it until I had an opportunity that felt worthy, and like two days before the fight, I was like, you know what? I'm wearing my grandfather's robe. I'm, I'm going to do it tonight. And it worked out great, man. It was really cool. That is, yeah, that was that was great. That was one of the things I really enjoyed about uh, learning your story. Well, anyway, uh, Brandon, and I love the name Bad News because if you get hit in the face by one of your fists, that's truly the worst news of the day you're going to get. Uh, yeah, but- man. <laughs> And that wraps up another exhilarating edition of the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast. Thank you, the listener. Without you, none of this would be possible. I appreciate you taking the time. Special thanks to my guest, Zachary Scott Klein, Raynell Gaines, and Brandon Bad News Lynch. It was a fun, well-rounded podcast this week. I learned a little bit from everybody I spoke to, so that makes me feel enlightened. So I appreciate them taking the time. And I want you to know, if you know anybody you think would be a good guest, have them hit me up, joshbelcher at hotmail.com. If you just want to uh, ask me a question you want me to answer on the old pod, I might give that a try. Uh, feel free to drop me a line there. And remember, as always, I love you for you and where you're at in life. Hopefully next week I can get out of this house because cabin fever is sitting in. There's a snow outside and an ice storm, and I have been stuck in, ready to get out. So have a good week. We'll catch you later down the line. Josh Belcher, Uncharted Podcast. Peace out, Cub Scout. All right.